Welcome to the next episode of L Rambles podcast. This is L's co-host Jules, and we're here tonight to talk to you about some exciting topic. Um, I'm going to hand this over to L to introduce uh, the beginning. Hey everyone, it's L, and I'm here with Jules. She so kindly introduced herself and then me into tonight's episode. So it is the second episode of the podcast. It took us a little while to try and figure out some microphone issues, and then we ended up having to go back to square one and uh, really go to the basics. So last podcast, you guys had a little difficulty hearing us, and we apologize, and we're working really hard to fix that. And uh, we're not quite solved yet, but hopefully this audio is better and easier for you to listen to so you're not blowing out any speakers in your car or whatnot. So anyway, uh, today is, what's today? Tuesday, Wednesday, October 16th, 18th. I'm sorry, 18th. October 18th. <laughs> and we are going to talk today about competing. So this topic is going to be, I want to say it's kind of a Q&A uh, on some pretty hot topics about competing. So there's no real rhyme or reason to the order of kind of these questions that are coming up, but they're all really, really good topics that we've kind of picked out to discuss on the podcast today. And we are just about a week and a half post-show from the first competition of the season that both Jules and I just did. So Jules, do you want to talk a little bit about the show and kind of what we did and everything? Sure, sure. Uh, well, um, Ellen and I just competed at, uh, at a show um, at the beginning of October. It was an NPC show, uh, the East Coast Cup, and it was um, my first time back on stage after a two-year hiatus. Um, every time I step off stage, I think, oh, I'm retired because being 56 now, every time I get off stage, I think that's it. And then Something will excite me, and I'll go ahead and say, oh, maybe again. And this time, for me, my, and I, I might get into this a little bit more. My big reason was um, to get the opportunity to compete with uh, my wonderful, wonderful daughter, Elle, um, as she stepped mm -hmm. on stage after a little bit of time off and, to, you know, to hit some personal goals. So I'm going to, you know, talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure, throughout the, the Q&As. Um, but it is the, uh, I made the decision after the show just to go ahead and step back into my coaching role. Um, but it's the first of a few for Elle uh, because she had some very big goals for this 2017 season, and she's making them come uh, to reality. So I'll pass that back to you, Elle. What are your uh, steps forward for 2017? Yeah, so first of all, like a little applause and like raise the roof to Jules for stepping back on stage at 56 and just her comparisons if you guys want to check out some of her comparisons from her last show or even last year to now it's just so impressive what you can do with your body you know I don't want to say even at 56 but yeah even at 56 so even if you think you are too far gone one way or the other not like she was but but if you feel like you, there's no way you could reach your goals just think about what Joel said. If you set your mind to something and anything, doesn't matter where you are, you can make it happen. So oh, thank you. You're welcome. So yep, 
I have lots of goals this year. Uh, I really, really, really needed to get back on stage. I needed to prove to myself that I wasn't stuck. And so after I had a really rough off season, I had some anxiety and mental health issues. I had a big change in my life. And I finally said to myself, you know what, I'm going to commit and I'm going to do these shows and I'm going to see if I can commit, do these shows, and then still have that love for the stage. So in April, I had a surgery, and then I jumped right back, like literally right into prep. And I started to train, eat, focus, and I ended up stepping on stage in July of this summer. I was probably about 10 or 12 pounds heavier than I am now, and I knew for a fact that I was not ready to be competitive in the MPC and I did that show because I needed to prove to myself that if I set a goal and I wasn't going to come back on it and I think that that's huge um, and we'll get into talking about this a lot more but I actually for a while uh, didn't understand why anyone would get on stage without being ready and quote-unquote ready like what is ready really but for me I realized that when you set a goal and you work towards it even if you don't reach that expected goal and the timeline comes you shouldn't throw in the towel and so that's what I didn't I didn't do I went ahead I did the show and that pushed me to want to go on another 12 weeks until this next show and then finish out my season so it's been a long season uh, but I've had a lot of really personal goals that I wanted to hit and tackle um, in order to get to this point. And I only have four and a half weeks left of the season to go, and I'm like, where where is it going? So I've got three more shows ahead in the next four and a half weeks, which is going to be pretty wild, um, and I'll be able to talk about that afterwards. Um, but that was my really long intro to this podcast, but I hope that gives you guys a good idea of where we're coming from when talking about these topics, um, because I've been competing for a while. I've had great seasons. I've had awful off seasons. I've had bad seasons in prep, and, um, you know, I've kind of been through it all, and coming full circle back around to feeling really confident and just sure of my decisions and my purpose and path. Uh, it you know it feels pretty good to be able to openly discuss this with you guys. Some some of you who may be going through one or the other things that you know we're going to talk about. Yeah, no, that's you know it's interesting to listen to you, um, you know, talk and and having this list of questions and it's almost as if you know so many people have asked some of the questions that you know we just sort of talk freely about. So I'm going to hit upon, you know, some of these questions. I'm going to bring them up uh, because I have the the list here. But some of it is going to be a little bit of reiteration of some of the things we just said. But I think it's important that we we actually go through some of these questions. And and one of the um, the very very first one is what um, what is the biggest thing mentally that got you through this prep after the time off? And I think um, you know maybe. I'm going to share a little bit um, for me, and and I think Al's already touched a little bit. You know, for me, um, the biggest thing mentally that got me through this was the fact that the last time I did a show prep, um, it really was everything fell into place very beautifully the entire time, and immediately after um, show that show, 
you know, you know, uh, everything sort of flew out. I'm not going to say profanity, but you know, crap hit the fan kind of thing. Um, my husband got you can swear on the podcast. Yeah, I can swear on the podcast. It's our podcast. Yeah, the shit hit the fan. Um, my husband, we found out that he needed heart surgery. We were in a holding pattern for a very long time with the surgery, and then his recovery was a very long period of time. So during that time. I, you know, my body started to respond to the stress and I felt like I needed to really kind of figure out a way to balance. And, and so for me, making the decision to, um, to do a show really, again, was feeling that I could regain the things that were important to me, taking care of myself. And, you know, sometimes people do extremes in prep and you might think, yeah, okay, is that really taking care of themselves? And, and sometimes it can be, uh, you know, sort of counterproductive that way. But I really went into this prep knowing I needed to keep that balance. So that was really important to me um, for to keep me excited and focused in on that um, as I got through you know, taking the time off and going, you know what, um, I didn't really ever take time off of training or eating well. It just the quality and the intensity wasn't there. So I was very excited about amping it up. And that's, to me, what got me very excited about um, the prep. How about you, Al, the biggest thing that got you through this prep after that time off? I honestly, I just put my head down. I had very little self-doubt because I knew that every time I've ever had self-doubt, it has just stopped me from focusing and it just took away from the act of getting things done and and so I just really kept my head down and I said you know if you do the work the results will come and I feel like that's something that I should have just always done and always kept in my mind in prep and sometimes it's easier than others and sometimes your mind doesn't want to let you and I don't know if this is a question later on, but it it really is a matter of, is this a good time for you to prep? And so there are so many times I joke about it a lot that I was like, oh, I want to prep. Oh, no, I don't. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. No, I don't. And I think that process of yes and then no and then always trying to look at my life and be like, okay, is this a good time? That was my way of figuring out when was the right time. And so once I finally committed to it, I it, I realized it was the right time. And so that's really what got me through is that I knew that this is what I wanted and nothing else was distracting me from it. Um, that's just great. You know, yeah. completely staying focused. Yeah, I think that's that's very critical for anybody. And we as coaches talk to our, our clients and prospective competitors often about it, about what is going to happen in the period of time that you commit to this big goal. And not to say that, you know, things aren't going to happen and that you've got, you know, hurdles to, to cross. But, you know, if you're in the middle of, you know, having lots going on, is it really the right time for you to make a commitment um, to it? But I always say, you know when it's right. And if you start to question and start to, you know, flux on it, then we do need to step back and, and, and reconnect with what is really going to drive you for that, for sure. Um, yeah, it'll go but, in and yeah. out all the time. Like you, mm-hmm. there may even be times when you are prepping where you're like, man, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And then a lot of times all it takes is a good night's sleep and like a good training session. And you're like, all right, I'm back in it. But if you're finding yourself multiple days, multiple times, wishing that you were not doing what you're doing and doing something else, that's, you know, that's how you, you know, it's not right for you and you won't be able to get through it. And if you do get through it, you probably will be like, man, I should have stopped. <laughs> I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have continued. 
So yeah, that's really what got yeah, me And that's through. often, you know, hopefully, you know, you have somebody that either a coach or somebody who is guiding you so you can bounce things off. And I always tell our clients, don't talk to the one who loves you the most, like your, you know, your significant other or, or your, your mom or dad or sister or brother, um, you know, talk to somebody who's a little more objective that they can step away and listen to you rather than try to tell you what they think. Yeah. Um, and that's an important thing. Um, good. That's good. Uh, I, the next, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, this was this is a good one because people often will ask us about this, and we have to deal a lot of times with this with our competitors, um, and even you know people who have competed before who we may or may not work with who struggle with things about um, binge eating post show, and you know, and the, and this person said how big of an issue is binge eating post show, um, and then the second part is how do you recover and not go down the path, and I think that both parts of those questions are really very important, and I think for me as a perspective as um, as a coach. I feel that sometimes, you know, we, well, I should say we all have a little disordered eating patterns in us for one reason or another, especially I think people who are drawn to this sport are very controlling people and very controlling people often have eating issues. So I'm just going to be right up there because it it really is, you know, I think everybody has some, some fringe um, issue going on with eating um, because of the emotional part of it and all of the sensories that we have and how, uh, you know, all the things that we have to do with getting our decisions into what are we going to eat, you know, do we want to eat, what do we like, um, food cues. But in terms of, you know, living a very, very restrictive life for a period of time can often lead to binge because it's an all or nothing um, issue. You know, if the binge eating problems become more of a psychological issue, then, you know, we're not counselors for that you know we can work with the behavioral thing and sort of investigate but you know my my philosophy is that you will have to have some restriction in your nutrition uh if you are preparing for a show but if you learn properly how to not think about the all or nothing and if you can successfully make it through a prep then you have to maintain that post-show that it is not an all or nothing and you have to be able to um step out of it as carefully as you stepped into it. And so if there are things that are trigger foods or issues that you're struggling with, then you do need to, and I call that reverse. To me, that's reverse when people say they need to reverse. You need to learn how to handle foods that maybe you avoided or portions or uh, hunger cues. Um, And so that in terms of recovering from binging, then, you know, I I do think it comes down to the root of what is causing the binging. And so – post-show, a lot of people will uh, figure, oh, well, I can eat everything and anything because I have no consequences, but you do. There's always consequences for your choices. So one of the big things about um, helping yourself not going down that path is to have goals, you know, and your goal may be just to stick to your to your nutrition uh, focus, and hopefully it will be opened up to not being quite as restrictive. But, um, Elle, do you want to add to anything about that? the issue of binge eating. I feel show. like I could talk about that forever <laughs> and ever. So I'll try it and just pick one kind of direction to go with it. So the best way I think to set yourself up for, I guess I'll just maybe go over some steps to set yourself up for less likelihood of you binging post-show. One, have a very specific, detailed open conversation and plan 
with your coach way before you're, you know, in peak week, (laughs) two weeks out, three weeks out, six weeks out, eight weeks out, you need to have a communication plan set up for post-show. Because if you wait until the last week, you're most likely just going to be extremely burnt out, very sick of tracking or eating on a meal plan. Um, And I don't even think we're going to touch on meal plans versus flexible nutrition on this uh, episode, but we will in another one. But have a plan for post-show. Know what your physique goals are. Know what your physical strength goals are. And know what your social goals are for post-show. So once you have that in place, because it's going to be unique for everybody, so we can't really talk about specifics, but once you have that in place, you should be on a better path. Now, during the prep to set yourself up for success post-show, stop with the food fantasizing, the food obsessing, the sweets, the, you know, the treats, everything, the the tags on Instagram, the, you know, smelling foods. And the more that you hype up all of this food that you, quote, unquote, can't have or, you know, wouldn't make it worth having when you are, you know, say tracking macros, you're like, okay, yeah, I could make a donut fit, but would that leave you in a better place to train and recover and feel full and satisfied for the rest of your day or even week? No. So that food fantasizing really heightens that level of need, need, need after the show is over. Um, And honestly, I guess that would, I'm just going to stop there and just say that is like those two are my number one and two helpful tips for avoiding binging post-show. Have a plan and don't food fantasize. Um, Yeah, those are great. You get so obsessed. And especially when you feel like you can't have something, it's like you just want to rebel. And then so after the fact, when you are quote unquote free from your diet, you think, okay, I'm free. And and you almost feel like I'm never going to get to eat these foods again. Um, So I got to eat them all and eat them all right now. Um, So if you have trouble with binging and it's not something that you can just kind of like, okay, like, hey, enough is enough, put it away and get past over a few days, you know, extra treats here and there are fine. You need to seek help and don't wait weeks and months until you've gained 50 pounds and you really have dug yourself into a hole where you're unhappy. It's not even about like not having a a stage lean body or a relatively lean and athletic body. It's not about the physical. It's literally about how almost unhappy you will feel because you weren't able to control your actions. Yeah, does that make sense? I mean, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Totally, totally makes sense. And, you know, I think this goes into um, what a lot of times people forget about this sport. Um, you know, it is a hobby sport, um, but it is also a sport of patience. So a lot of people mm. will come in and they, you know, they want to have change happen fast. And, of course, you know, if you've done nothing when you first start a program, you're going to get a lot of change fast. But a lot of competitors who've been doing this for a while or even, you know, first-time competitors who may need a longer dial-in, you know, things happen fast and they slow down, they happen fast, and then they slow down and then they happen fast. But it is a sport of patience, and so you need patience on the other end when, you know, maybe your goal is then to build more muscle. You're just not going to build it, you, you know, overnight and just by eating a ton of food. No, you're just going to gain excess body fat. And as mm-hmm. Elle said, 
you know, we just have to have a plan and you have to go slow and realize, you know, if you do go with the flexible nutrition approach, I always say no foods are off limits, but all foods have limitations so that there are going to be times and places and portions for things. And that's, that's also uh, sort of, you have to have a very mature, responsible approach to it. Um, But yeah, that's, yeah, I, I, I like to tell people and even tell myself when I want something, it's like, no, it's not, never it's just not right now and so if I want to have a treat and you are just overwhelmed with cravings this is in the post-show period overwhelmed with cravings and you you know you you haven't had chipotle in a while or you want cold stone and and you want froyo and you want this and that set out a plan so like this Friday I'm going to have chipotle and like then next week I'm going to have cold stone and plan Mm -hmm. out these treats rather than eating just extra in your cabinet um, or eating just whatever's in front of you. So you still have to hold on to that same kind of like dedication that you had during your show. Like you could sit at work and, you know, everybody's got candy and whatnot, food in the break room. And during your show prep, you easily walked by and said, "Mm, man, I wish I could have that, but you didn't. So you need to take that and hold on to that into the post-show period so you can still have that same type of, okay, you can have that, just not right now, maybe later. Exactly, exactly. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a couple of questions just because this is a sure. little bit related. Um, and this question is, um, are you concerned about your hormones? And, and then the other question is, will you ever stop competing? But I think that the fact about the hormones, and this is a very, very important fact that we do have to address in our guidance as, as um, coaches, that we do know hormonal levels do switch. Um, if, you know, we're talking about competing, just not affecting the hormones by taking in any anabolic steroids or anything like that. This is just through, you know, training and, and through manipulation of your nutrition. Um, right. Oftentimes, your, to oftentimes your body. And, you know, deficit in calories. Exactly. Know that. Often, that's what it's, the, you know, the question is, are you worried about the overtraining, the level of leanness, what, and what it does to your body so yeah exactly the body as a whole you know it's it's digestion it's it's everything it's cortisol it's you know a lot of people will take it too far um so Josie can continue I didn't didn't mean to yeah no 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 yeah and that's really I guess you know I've never really been worried about myself because I've always taken a very sort of sensible approach, I guess, for all of my competing. Um, And, and we do the same with our clients, you know, and and we always joke because, you know, about 80% of our our competitors end up getting their period peak week. Um, It's just something (laughs) about the shift of things. And so, you know, I look at it as, as healthy, not all people who are at, you know, are athletes, will have perfect hormonal balance, but uh, obviously, because there's a lot of things involved there, but, um, you know, in terms of doing the approach and the dial in healthfully and taking, you know, taking the break and the stress off of uh, yourself by not competing show after show after show. um, And, you know, that is important for health. This is, again, um, you can live a competition lifestyle, but still have, you know, healthy. Um, but always, yeah. we recommend you go, and, you know, have your annual physicals and make sure everything is working properly. Right, yeah. And that's what, and, and so I don't, I, there's a time and a place for pushing and pulling back. And so I, you know, I get my 
blood work done. I get my, you know, I do go to my physicals. If I were to have any symptoms that concerned me, and when you get deep into a prep, you become hyper aware of everything that your body's doing. If you didn't poop at a certain time during, you know, the day, you're like, something's up, what's up, and you figure it out. And so a lot of times you're very hyper aware, so you need to keep a journal or you need to tell your coach when you're starting to feel things that just don't feel right. I'm a little bit under the weather today, and I think I'm just fighting off like a, you know, a small something. But if it started to impact me and it started to really throw things off, I would say, okay, maybe there's something more going on here. And that's what I suggest to you is that it's not, it shouldn't be this like fear the whole entire prep. Like, what about my hormones? What about this? What about that? What about this? You know, take things slow. Um, take note of how your body feels and get regular blood work done. Um, and I think that that is the best way to kind of monitor yourself um, mm -hmm. rather than, you know, be concerned about it the whole time um, and pull yourself out of it slowly. Um, so if we're just talking about like getting a period back, um, it can take, you know, just as long as your contest prep was to get it back. It could take longer than that. Some people get it back you know, or some people don't lose it at all. Um, so it's really individual there. Uh, and that's something that you have to have a discussion with your doctor about. Um, a lot of people <laughs> complain that it's really difficult to get doctor's appointments. Um, and I can understand that. Um, so really use your best judgment there um, in taking care of your health, your hormonal, yeah. hormonal yeah. health. Hormonal health. Yeah, I just want to make, you know, this is not a question on supplements, and we actually didn't get a lot, but I'm just going to throw this in there just because I did have a, a client who was taking, um, she wasn't feeling well, and she went to her, her doctor and had blood work done, and they found out she had a very, very high B12 level. Well, when she sat mm. down and looked at her pre-workout and her post-workout, because uh. she was taking a bunch of stuff, you know, there, these were just sort of arbitrary things, and, and, and it, it was extremely high. So she's, you know, and be so just be aware of you. Yeah. And, and yeah. And so just, you know, be aware of the things that you might decide that you're going to take or somebody suggests that you take that you're not sort of giving yourself a this sort of an extreme to say a toxicity, but there are underlying toxicities that people are not even aware. You know, they drink a, a power drink or they drink, you know, this is enriched with that and that. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of be aware of all of that kind of stuff in in your in your daily life. If you're taking in some of these things, they may affect you hormonally as well. So um, because this is some, you know, human body is a uh, big science um, experiment. Experiment, <laughs> and so you start yeah. And other stuff, you know, you don't really know. So anyway, that was on the side. Um, so. Um, okay. Well, the, I'm gonna, there's a couple of these questions are actually really interesting because um, they're kind of put together. So I'm going to actually read, there are three of them, and I think we can kind of talk about them together. Um, the first one is, what do you think about how in competing is now and how popular it is? And I've got a bunch of things to say about that. Um, what are your thoughts on the evolving look of bikini and Again, that's sort of related to that. And then the other one um, is related. What are some of the expectations versus realities of the fitness industry? It, it, this, these questions are a little bit more about the sort of what's going on out there in, um, in the competition world, in what we see out there in social media and the fitness world. Um, should I just jump into this right away, Al, myself? Sure. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. 
I know Al's going to have a whole bunch to talk about. I have so, so much to say. I, I know, I know. Um, Go ahead. So, so I'm going to give my perspective, and Ellen always, Ellen always laughs at me because I feel like I'm the old wise woman here because I've been around the block a bit. But, you know, competing, um, you know, when I was the age of where sort of the average age of where most of these competitors are now in their 20s and 30s, um, there was no such thing as competitions for women. There were men's bodybuilding, and yeah, there were very fringe, fringe group of women bodybuilders. And, you know, so probably in the past 10 to 12 years, it's become interesting that there have been these competitions. Started as beauty pageants, they became a little bit more physique-based, and then it, they've just sort of evolved and become a little bit more mainstream. So they have become... Um, business event, you know, events for promoters. And if you build it, they will come. And with the bikini look, really the whole concept was it was supposed to be more of a marketable look, something that you would see fit women, you know, fit, fitness women on magazines and, and sort of to encourage, encourage women to take care of themselves like self in shape that started in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And, 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 and so now the, the look keeps evolving and, um, it's very, very popular for people to do them because it, they see this and they think, okay, some of these events are very obtainable. Uh, the look is obtainable. It's desirable. Um, they can do it. And so it has become very popular. I think it's wonderful if it drives people to push themselves to better. You know, there's always the, the right. negative side of it. It pushes people too far. Right. Um, I want to interject before – I do want to just interject on that real quick before you switch. Um, I'm all for those competing if it is going to make them better, uh, if it doesn't form some sort of new disordered habit. Now, we all have weird disordered things about ourselves, um, and we do have to just kind of accept that and know we're not perfect and we do weird things. And, you know, some like I have to pee before I eat. Like that might be a little disordered. Like I won't sit down and eat if I have to pee. So, like, there are always going to be weird little things that we do. As long as it's not pushing you over the edge where you're not eating at all um, because you need to be lean all the time, um, then, you know, if this is if this is exciting to you, exciting for you, then you can pick it up and, you know, enjoy it. Exactly. I, I, I like that it is an opportunity for lots of people to pursue something that is going to um, excite them and push them to, to discover things about themselves um, personally and fitness-wise. Same thing with running. You know, many, many, many years ago, nobody ran races. You know, it's like the Boston Marathon, and all of a sudden people started running, and so it opened yeah. up people's opportunities to push themselves to fitness. But like Al said, I don't like it when it does push people into or use it as an excuse to have um, eating disorder. You know, there's like, okay, it's all right for me to so diet and then binge, you know, after because it's what competitors do. So right. it can it can get a little bit um, negative on that end. Um, the evolving look of bikini, you know, I mean, I think this, this is federation to federation. I think this the look of bikini has evolved. Every year it looks a little different and then it comes back. It's just like fashion. It seems, you know, again, when we first started to have bikini, the girls looked very different from what they look like now, but somewhere in the middle, they looked more like they did before. So I feel like things are going to swing around. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk a bit about the look for bikini, because I think that is really important to touch on 
what the judges expect and what you should focus on for to, to give some helpful advice to anybody listening. So yeah. we'll take yeah. it. So there's different federations. Um, you know, the main ones that people know are NPC that leads into the IFBB. So you'll think Olympia. So if you, you know, you think about the athletes at the Olympia, those people started out as NPC competitors until they became professionals. So that is an, an uh, un, I don't want to say it's unnatural. It is a non-drug tested federation. And then the big one that we work with is INBF, WMBF, which is the World Natural Bodybuilding Federation, I believe, if I said that mm-hmm. correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So they're mm-hmm. am- the amateur and pro. Now, the two are, and that is a drug-tested federation. And so in, in comparing the two, um, both years back, in, in the bikini category, went for softer look. So if you think of, like, when, I want to say, like, Amanda Latona was competing and she was, you know, in the Olympia, uh, she was a softer look. And that is not what they go for anymore. Um, so it is. it has definitely evolved. And it has just gotten harder and harder and leaner and leaner. And you'll look at these girls and you'll say, oh, wow, okay, so now they're going for a lean look. Um, like, you know, some of these girls have veins up and down their arms, across their abs. Um, but it really is that total package. So although it's a little bit leaner than it has been, and every year I feel like it gets a little bit harder, um, you do have to bring your best every single time. So the the idea is not always leaner is better. Um, you know, just because you get into prep, it doesn't always mean you need to get leaner. Some people just need more muscle density, muscle maturity, um, and that comes with more training, you know, more years of training under your belt. Um, it may be more shape to your muscles. So it's one thing to focus on is that it's not always leaner, leaner, leaner. Um, it's conditioned, but if you don't have symmetry but you're shredded, that's not what they're looking for. Yeah. And so, also, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're not. No, and also, and also, you know, there's a very big difference, you know, when you think about um, the, the, the majority of people who compete uh, will compete at the amateur level, and then uh, they'll do one or two or maybe a few shows, and then they'll decide that, you know, it isn't for them right now or ever again, and, and that's, that's, that's perfectly fine because it's part of what their their experience is and they do it for a goal. Um, so when you go and compete at the the local levels, the you know each um, judging panel is going to have a different perspective. It's a very subjective sport. So they may see you know a group of people, a group of competitors, and they'll pick one that appeals to them because not only do they like the look, but they also perceive that person as having potential to move on to the next level. So this, this is where you have to, um, you have to uh, expect that y- y- you may end up having a judging panel select somebody that might be a head scratcher. Um, and that's why I always say sometimes they don't always fit the mold, but they see something in that person that that person might have some potential. Um, also, a lot of what people, you know, when you get a first place or second place or third place comes down to who shows up. And so if a group of competitors show up and they're all on the softer side and you're the most lean person, well, you might look like the odd boy, you know, the oddball out. So they may not pick you. So there's a lot of things that go into, you know, we could, 
spend a whole call just on judging and perspective and subjectivity at, at shows. But, um, but some of that also is going to have an effect on the evolving look of bikini. Um, so sometimes the girls at the local level will look very different from what they look like at the pro level because you're just a different level of, of uh, athlete. Um, so, uh, yeah. Al, did you have anything else to add to that? Um, can you just repeat what those questions were that came in? I just want okay. to make sure that. Sure. And then, well, the only one we didn't hit um, down on is what are the, some of the expectations versus realities of the fitness industry. And I'm not 100% sure. Maybe when I first read it, um, I, I, I read that I, in my mind talk. differently. Yeah. <laughs> I read that in my mind differently. So, some of the expectations versus realities in the fitness industry. So I guess probably is just for anything. I mean, I think any industry that is, uses social media, I think that this person was probably asking in the context of like what's portrayed versus like, what is it really? Um, and so like you see these fitness people on Instagram and they're posting their workouts and their meals and you know, it's all for, it's not all for show. A lot of people do it for themselves as well. But as an observer or um, I, I guess, I don't even know what the right word is, but you are basically looking at these people as role models in the fitness world. And so if you are taking in everybody's perfect workouts, perfect meals, best gym clothes, you know, this and that, that is not a true representation of what fitness is. Fitness means something different to absolutely everybody. So this is switching out of the, you know, what do the, um, the last topic that we were just on, which was about the bikini category and more of just like general fitness um, and the realities. Because it, when you're in competition prep, you are not feeling glamorous. You're not feeling your best. And you're really, you know, if you have the energy to post on social media um, and portray a perfect prep, like, good for you. But I sure don't. Um, so I think that a lot of this is, like, glamorized. And um, I think that's a problem making a lot of people think that competition prep is something that is fun and easy. Uh, and now this, I guess, <laughs> circles back and ties in, like, what do we think about it being so in right now? Um, and I think that a lot of people don't quite understand what the commitment is to a competition prep if it's something that you want to be successful in. So now that I went that way with the question, Jules, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that I think you said that well. I think that um, there are a lot of things on social media that I feel that people are trying to tell a story, and I, you know, see air quotes and whatever their story is. And you know, I I use my Instagram and my social media, um, you know, to to excite and motivate others, but also a little bit of a little journal for myself just so I will remember things. But I do think that there are people who use it just to show off. And mm-hmm. um, and and so I guess my feeling is if you see people are doing that and it bothers you, shut it off. I know, right. like Al said, when, you know, I had all this intent when I was doing this prep, I was going to journal a lot. And I was like, I was just too damn busy. Um, you know, and it was 
like I realized it wasn't until like my peak week I had a lot more time because I was very organized and I was ready and I and I sort of had taken some time off to make sure I could get everything done and I had time to post on social media and I haven't really posted much since because I've been so busy. So um, I guess I do think that um, what you see on social media is not always reality. Um, so just pick and choose what you're going to watch and definitely don't compare yourself. Do not compare yeah, yourself to anybody. That's huge. Don't, yeah. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. It helps anybody. No. I go in and I go, oh, you know, I'm looking for a recipe. And, you know, I mean, I, I kind of, that's what I use it for. Or, you know, hey, what's somebody doing? Or, you know, but, um, yeah, just be careful about, you know, if you're using it for journaling for yourself, I said kudos because I think that that can really help you with some personal accountability. It tells your story. It helps you reflect back on it so you know five years from now when you look back and that's you know it's going to be a journal for you a diary um I love that so um, I guess the biggest thing is like you can't expect like pretty much anytime you get a glimpse of somebody else you really have no idea what the reality of that is like you'll see all of these beautiful shots on Instagram. And like, if I try to get like, you know, if I have like a very posed shot or whatever, like I had Joel take a picture of me with, what was it? Yeah. I'm doing, it was doing another giveaway. And, and I I was like, Hey, can you take a picture? And I was like, Oh, I got to put these literally, I was like, Oh, I got to put these glasses on. Um, Cause everybody was asking me where these glasses came from. So I'm just going to put them on and I'm going to hit, you know, two birds with one stone and tag them in the photo too. So like, that is the reality behind the shot. Like, that is the reality behind a lot of shots. There's probably a lot of annoyed boyfriends or fiancés or whatever, <laughs> husbands that have to take, you know, like little Instagram husbands that have to take photos of their girls to post on Instagram. And so you don't, the only reality that you really know is your own reality. And make it awesome. Make your reality something that is just there it's real like you're not spending much time focusing on what everybody else is doing and if you are it's like oh that's good for them but I'm going to put that down and I'm going to go kick ass for myself um so make your own reality because you don't know anything that's going on unless it's right there in front of you that's awesome how come you're so smart <laughs> oh I don't know where do I where do I get it from you I don't know me. I don't know but that was awesome um, <laughs> all right well I'm going to move on to some of these other questions yeah. which are going to get into a little bit more of some of the the nitty-gritties of, of sort of struggles I guess during um during preps um what one of these questions how do you fight hunger at night oh my god what like was with, repeat, how, repeat how do you sorry, fun, how do you, yeah no problem how do you fight hunger at night you know, tooth and nail, you fight hunger at night. Um, nighttime is, you know, probably one of the biggest um, is, you know, hunger issues, not only in prep, but I think any time that people are eating in a caloric deficit, it is the time that your body cues, you're tired, so you are more likely to feel hungry. Um, the distractions from the day are gone. The food cues are stronger. Um, and you just, um, it's harder to say no. So, you know, for, for us and our family, I can tell you what we all do. We all know what we're going to eat for our last meal, probably even before we plan what we're going to eat for our first meal. And so that we are well equipped with knowing that that's going to be our sort of our, our, our punctuation mark for the, for the night. And that's our cue that we're done. Um, and literally we stick with it. That's it. Um, 
and then you, you know, sometimes you're hungry when you go to bed when you're in prep. There's just, your body is um, going to fight you, and it yeah. does not want to be hungry. Um, sometimes it wakes you up at night. Sometimes you don't sleep and yeah. you're hungry in the middle of the night because your body is physically waking you up saying, eat, <laughs> like yeah. consume yeah. calories, fuel me. And yeah. so if that be- starts to become an issue, the best way that I find to fight hunger at night is to have something that I know satisfies me. Um, and sometimes I have to push my last meal off till a little bit later to make sure that I'm satisfied overnight. So it's like sometimes we get into these, like, I'm so hungry, I could eat all my macros, and you end up out of your macros at 6 p.m., and then you're hungry all night, and it just starts this vicious cycle. Um, so you definitely have to plan, uh, but also space out your meals. Like, I like to have even meals pretty much throughout the whole day, carbs, protein, fat, space them out, um, and just keep that constant flow of those, like, steady meals. That's what I suggest. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other macro manipulations that I will do. So with, many. Um, Let's with, do a whole uh, podcast with, on macro yeah. manipulations. I'm macro write that manipulations. One down right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, it is an important thing to remember that um, this is a vulnerable time, even especially for people post-show, um, because you are still possibly eating in a, in some restrictive form, trying not to, you know, go back to where you were before. Um, so planning your evening meals um, and and keeping yourself busy so that you possibly, you know, maybe pick up a, a little hobby. And um, Elle always laughs at me because I play nonstop solitaire on my phone um, because it is sort of like a, a, a physical distraction, keeps my hands busy. <laughs> so, um, but, okay, um, let me let me just read this question to you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to just say um, something in the... Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, because I'm trying to find yeah, the next so question here, but it's hard to figure out go ahead. your questions. Yeah, so um, just real quick, I want to just kind of, like, interject into the, um, the Q&A. So we definitely aren't hitting every question about competing that we had, so I definitely think that we're going to do, like, little mini-series of these competition uh, questions. So this one's kind of a, a free-for-all, uh, kind of hit upon, like, a bunch of different topics, but I really would like to do specific, you know, post-show, you know, peak week, these talks and whatnot for the podcast moving forward. So if you guys have questions, please DM them to me uh, or topics for the podcast. Please DM them to me on Instagram and I'll put my Instagram in the show notes. I'll put Joel's Instagram in the show notes um, and the links for everything. But uh, we, we love talking about this. So, um, we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes, but I just wanted to let you guys know that this is not the end of the um, the prep talk, basically. Yeah, good. Yeah, because really, like, I, there's a whole list of things here, and I'm just trying to find one last one for yeah, us. Yeah, find the wrap up. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm going to use, I'm going to talk about this one. This one is how sustainable is the competition lifestyle? Um, because I do think that, uh, a lot of times people will come to us and say, you know, I want to live the lifestyle of a competitive athlete. I want to I have a body that looks like I am a competitor. Um, and um, But then when they find out what it takes, they realize it is not necessarily sustainable. But aspects of it can be. And I guess that's what I would like to sort of 
impress upon, the things that people learn along the way of what they can continue to do and what they find that they can't continue to do um, are going to, you know, be important. And I call those the sort of the things you learn along the way and after what are the non-negotiables. And, you know, for a lot of people who do come to work with a coach and they want to do a competition, usually the gym is not the issue. It, it, you know, they love to go train. Um, sometimes they get burnt out, but they still want to do something fitness. So, you know, I, we encourage people just to, stay, to continue to live an active, healthy life, whether you find that you love doing the bodybuilding lifestyle or you decide you want to segue into powerlifting or CrossFit or a combination or you want to, you know, do kickboxing. Um, so staying and, and becoming fit for life is sustainable for sure. And over the course of your life, those things may change. And that was one of the things that, you know, I've always discovered that as my body gets older and there are going to be things I can do and things that I have to modify and things that, you know, by, you know, gosh darn it, I'm never going to give up because it's important to me. Um, so that finding a reasonable training style being sustainable you know, so depending on what you need to do to get on stage, you know, if you have to do a lot of training to get on stage in a short period of time, that may not be sustainable. Um, but being able to hold onto a reasonable training um, schedule to maintain a reasonable and a fit body is. Nutrition, the same thing. You know, can you eat the dial-in nutrition that you might need? Not everybody needs the same thing that may or may not be sustainable. What a lot of times people say they want to hold their competition body, but they can't sustain what they need to do that last month just because it is, it might need to be extreme and your body's going to fight you. So, you know, find a place that when we say to live a lifestyle, a competition lifestyle, it is not that wide swing that a lot of times people will see, you know, where they, people will put on 25 pounds and then they need to lose 25 again. Um, then that's not healthy. Um, that's what we hope that people don't do, but that you learn how to have planned programmed builds and cuts so that you can live and a sustainable lifestyle. So that's my thought on um, competition lifestyle. Um, if you want to be a competitor for a series of years or for your life, then you have to be able to endure what is sustainable and, and, and realize that. Um, Elle, do you want to add anything yeah. there? That was great. Yeah, that it's very true that competition lifestyle is just that. It, it's a athletic and healthy, and I guess if you are going to stay within the competitive realm of fitness, then it is a very structured lifestyle. So you do need to go through phases of taking yourself out of a caloric deficit and putting yourself in a maintenance. And then, you know, maybe a slight surplus, but not, you know, too much of a surplus where you become uncomfortable and then it becomes difficult to, you know, get some of the excess off. And so, I mean, I've got some pretty good experience with this. I'll just kind of rewind and go, um, go on my past experience after the Arnold in 2016 um, during the whole Arnold prep there was like a bunch of red flags that told me that I should have stopped um, but I didn't I pushed on and do I regret it no did I learn from it oh yeah a lot 
So after the Arnold prep, I probably reverse dieted for about a day. And then I was so burnt out that I just didn't even want want to know what a macro was. And, you know, once you learn macros, you can't really unlearn them. Um, but I didn't want to track. I deleted my fitness pal. I wanted to intuitively eat. I did that, and my intuition is that of someone that likes to eat a lot. And so I went through kind of a, a while of just being like, yeah, you know what, I'm happy, I'm cool, gaining weight, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to a point where I was not happy, and that was kind of when my, okay, maybe I'll do a competition because I missed the ability to have that much control over my body and my, you know, everybody has that sweet spot where they like to be physically. Um, I think that's really important to know is that, like, all of us, have a physique that we like to be in um, and finding one that's something that you can maintain for like a long period of time um, is going to be your best bet. So it's not your physique that you have for a week during one point of the year and a week you have during another. It's one that you can have the majority of the time. Um, and so, to, so now, jumping ahead now, I want to maintain something closer to the physique I have now. Um, and that's going to take that sacrifice. And if you want something, you will set yourself up around it, all of the actions and whatnot, to have success with the outcome. So, you know, it may require a bit more dedication in my improvement season, but that's a choice and that's what I want. And so that's what I, with all of that being said, said, that's what I suggest for you is that find something that A, fits your, you know, lifestyle um, and B, may take a little bit of sacrifice because you, if you <laughs> truly want something, it's going to take a little bit of extra work to get there. So understand what you're setting yourself up for and understand what the ex expectation is um, and what it's going to take to get you there and keep you there. Yeah, that's, that, great, you know, you know, that's kind that's of my thought. Yeah, no, I think that's, you know, that's, uh, I think that you summed that up very well. You just have to know that, um, you know, if you needed to eat and train to get yourself into a physique that you like, then you're going to more than likely have to stay there. So sometimes people say, oh, well, I want to reverse after. I want to be able to eat, you know, 300 carbs and, and you know, not do any cardio. Well, it's very rare. Um, right. that, you know, that we can have a person because it will work for a while, but then it very likely will catch up with you. And then we yeah. have to learn how to put the brakes on. So my big thing is, you know, and I tell our clients this all the time, your post show, you, if you want to really reverse and do it right, you got to work and still track and take care of yourself right. until you get to the point where you go, oh, I might need to put the brakes on this and, yeah. and, you know, and find, and that's what maintenance is. And, and that, and maintenance is, is hard. Um, and, and maintenance is not a healthy place either. to be. Yeah. It's, maintenance it's is a very static. healthy place to be. So, yeah. And it's, and it's not just one thing because you might go, okay, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to come back. You know, you don't want to gain 10 pounds on vacation, but so you have to learn how to go on vacation and not gain 10 pounds. <laughs> that's maintenance. Yeah. So, but that's another whole other call. So, um, yeah, it's a whole other thing. So, <laughs> Well, definitely, I think that that just about wraps it up. Uh, and um, we just want to say thanks for listening.
to this call, and um, hopefully, I guess it's, I guess it wasn't a call, <laughs> a podcast. <laughs> um, we do we do uh, team calls and stuff, so it's almost felt like one of those. Um, but I'm, you know, thanks, Jules, for uh, mentioning all of the questions we had flood in, and I will do. I will be announcing once this podcast goes up on Instagram who the winner of the P Science product of choice is from this giveaway. I don't have the names in front of me right now, but it's going to be somebody from one of the questions that we nabbed. So I will put it in the show notes and I will also be posting it on Instagram once this call is up. So um, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next call. Yeah. Thank you for all the thoughtful questions. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Good night, everyone.